very much. Well, I'd love to start by telling you um, uh, about a friend of mine. Uh, this isn't a particularly happy story, I'm afraid. It's a story to start on such a low note. Um, but this friend of mine, he runs training for pastors in other countries uh, online. He runs a kind of online training course for pastors. And the other day, I saw him and he seemed a little bit um, dismayed. And I, I asked him what was up. And he told me that one of the students who usually attends his class uh, couldn't attend that day because they'd been arrested. They are a pastor in a country where it is illegal to be a Christian. And the thing they had been arrested for was explicitly that they were joining his training. They'd found out and they'd arrested him. And my friend was obviously a little bit disgruntled by it. uh, And he said to me, I just can't help but think, is it worth it? Uh, is it worth getting this guy to join my training if it's going to get him arrested? Is it worth it? Well, I wonder if you've had that same sense as we've been looking through Matthew chapter 10 for the past few weeks. Jesus has been sending out his apostles. He is sending them out. And these Verses in chapter 10, well, they are very much mission orientation. They're very much telling the apostles how it's going to be as Jesus sends them out. And well, if there is one kind of headline for how it's going to be for the apostles being sent out, uh, here it is. It won't be plain sailing. That is what Jesus is saying. If you cast your eye back to chapter 10, verse 7, possibly on the previous page, That is the summary of what they're going to do. Proclaim as you go, saying the kingdom of heaven is at hand. They are going out and they are the heralds. They are the messengers, uh, the ones going from town to town and saying a new kingdom is here. There is a new kingdom taking over. And how is it going to go for them? Well, in Matthew's Gospel, we don't actually get any feedback from their trip, but we don't need it because Jesus tells us exactly how it's going to go for them, and it's not going to go very well. If you've ever worked in uh, any kind of children's work or youth work, well, you might well be familiar with risk assessments. Uh, my wife and I, we help, fill out, uh, we help run a summer camp in August. Uh, And goodness me, these days it seems like you need to fill out seven risk assessments every hour for walking between buildings, having uh, a cup of tea, that kind of thing. Uh, There is no moments you're not at risk of being hit by a meteorite and that kind of thing. Uh, But if you were to fill out a risk assessment for the disciples, the apostles being sent out, well, the list list of dangers would go on for pages. They will be sheep amidst wolves, Jesus says. They'll be handed over to courts and flogged in synagogues, uh, that is, whipped in religious gatherings. Verse 21, brother will deliver brother over to death, and children will have their parents put to death. Over the past few weeks, as uh, William and Wes and Julio have been teaching on this, well, perhaps they've shared true stories of this happening, even amidst people we know, and maybe you've seen it happen. People rejected by their family for following Jesus. And all of this, I think it makes us ask, is it worth it, Jesus? Is it actually worth it going through all this trouble? Well, what we're going to see today 
is that as well as those who persecute the apostles, well, thankfully, there will be some who receive their message. And is it worth it? Well, yes, Jesus is going to say. Because for them, for the ones who receive, there will be a reward. These are the final words of Jesus' speech, his mission orientation. And here's what he's going to say. Even though there will be persecutors, there will also be receivers. And these final words today, they are for them. Jesus' final instructions, what do the apostles need to know? Well, here's the first thing they need to know. Here's point one for today. Receiving the apostles is receiving God. Receiving the apostles is receiving God. You know, about 10 years ago, uh, there was a very strange moment in the press where uh, Richard Dawkins, famous atheist, was being interviewed by The Telegraph. Uh, And he said this, I quote him, he says, Somebody as intelligent intelligent as Jesus would have been an atheist. Um, It's an interesting perspective, isn't it? Uh, And I think it does highlight this very remarkable attitude. You see, I wonder if you've ever noticed that almost everyone assumes Jesus would be on their side. Uh, I genuinely don't think I've ever met anyone who dislikes Jesus. Everyone I've ever spoken to, they, they think that Jesus would be for them. In the political sphere, people claim it. In social justice issues, people claim it. Uh, people love to think that Jesus would be on their sides. Muslims, they occasionally roll out this line where they say, we love Jesus more than Christians. Uh, Jewish people, they claim he was just a misunderstood Jewish teacher. Uh, and I think Buddhism claims something similar. There is something so appealing about Jesus that everyone wants to claim him. And I raise this point now uh, because I hope it's obvious that not everyone can be right. So who is Jesus for? Well, have a look at verse 40. Whoever receives you receives me, and whoever receives me receives him who sent me. Looking at the latter half of that verse, I don't think it's too surprising. Jesus is saying, whoever receives him receives the one who sent him, that is, God. Uh, I suppose that's not much of a surprise to you, Jesus and God. They're on the same side. No big shock there. Uh, Of course, it's Christian doctrine that Jesus is God. So, of course, receiving Jesus is receiving God's. But I wonder what you think about the first half of that sentence. Because Jesus, he's there with his 12 apostles, and he says, whoever receives you, receives me. Who is Jesus for? Well, actually, it's not Muslims. It's not Richard Dawkins. It's not anyone apart from those who receive the apostles. There they are, the twelve, they're going out, just picture it for a moment, they're wandering from town to town, they have almost nothing with them, they are relying on people receiving them, taking them into their house, and Jesus says, well when they do that, it is as if they are receiving me, in that instance, it is as if they are taking in Jesus himself, whoever receives you, receives me. 
And of course, it's not uh, just Jesus, but those who receive the apostles, they receive God himself as well. And well, you might be sat there thinking, okay, well, that's all well and good for those 2,000 years ago. Um, But I presume that you've not had anyone knocking on your door recently, claiming they are one of Jesus's apostles. Aren't we 2,000 years too late for this to be relevant? Uh, Well, actually, the New Testament says, in fact, it's very clear, having the apostles' words, that is, the Bibles, on your tables, that is as good as having the apostles in person. Having those Bibles on your tables is as good as having an apostle here with us. And so when it comes to the apostles' words, well, we have to ask, do we receive it? Many people think that Jesus is on their side. Everyone thinks Jesus is for them. I think most people don't care in the slightest about receiving the apostles' words. Uh, I would say many people actively wouldn't want to receive the apostles' words. But Matthew wants us to know that when it comes to whose side Jesus is on, well, he is on the side of those who receive the apostles' words. You know, I wonder if you've ever heard that line, yeah, I I really like Jesus, but uh, the Bible, I'm not sure I can get behind that. Haven't we all moved on from something so old? Well, I'd want to say to that person, I'm really sorry, but Jesus is not on your side. Another classic line, yeah, I I like Jesus, but that Paul bloke, I'm not really sure about him, or or Peter, he said some weird things. Um, Well, I'm, I'm very sorry, I want to say to that person, but Jesus is not on your side. You haven't received him because you haven't received the apostles' words. But of course, to those who do receive, well, you receive God. You know, an uncountable myriad of people through history have tried to access God, haven't they? Tried to uh, win his favour, tried to know the power of God in their life. Uh, Think of the sacrifices made to that end, the practices created just to know God's. And if you are a Christian, uh, you can, and you do it by receiving the words. I wonder if you've ever met your CEO. Uh, Possibly, uh, maybe you're on first name terms. Um, I wonder if you've ever had them round for dinner. I wonder if they've ever had you round for dinner. Uh, It's possible, I suppose, but it's not common, I I think. It would be quite a privilege, wouldn't it? And that's just a CEO, they're just a man or a woman, but to receive God, the creator of the universe, what a privilege. You know, the Christian, they never have to lie awake at night, wondering whether God would be pleased with them. They never have to lie awake, wondering about God at all. They know him, they have received him. If you have received the apostles' words... You have received Jesus, and you have received God. No fear of judgment, no fear of divine wrath. You know, I I think of the countless people who've ever lived, and do live even now, who live in fear of upsetting God, trying to please a God they, they don't even know. 
None of that is a worry for the Christian, someone who's received the words. The Christian never has to worry about any of that, because they have received God's. And that alone may well be a reason why it is worth it, mightn't it? And yet that's not even all Jesus has got to say in these verses. Let's focus on verse 41 and 42, and we'll see our second point today, which is this. Receiving the apostles results in rewards. You know, um, Julio mentioned I'm involved with music. The first instrument I learned when I was young was the flute. And I remember a time when it wasn't going very well. Uh, I I wasn't practicing at all, really. And my my teacher was telling me off fairly regularly. And I had to think about the rewards. I had to think about the prospects of the grade eights. Uh, going to music conservatoire, playing the Albert Hall one day, and I I had to think, is it worth it? Is it worth going through the pain for that reward? And the answer was, no. And I gave it up as quickly as I could. (laughs) Is the reward worth the discomfort we'll have to go through in order to get it? Because, well, the wonder of these verses is that there is a reward Verse 41, the one who receives a prophet, because he is a prophet, will receive a prophet's reward. And the one who receives a righteous person, because he is a righteous person, will receive a righteous person's reward. That language of prophets and righteous person, uh, it's a bit tricky, isn't it? I think Jesus is merely talking about Christians in both instances. Uh, Apostles are just people who speak the word of God, like Christians do, and uh, Christians have been given that verdict of righteous. And so receiving the apostles, it is confirmation that someone is a believer. And Jesus's point, they will receive a reward. What is the reward Jesus is talking about? It's maybe a little bit hard to discern from these verses, isn't it? Uh, What is the prophet's reward? What is the righteous person's reward? Well, I think the key to understanding is actually there in verse 42. Um, And whoever gives one of these little ones even a cup of cold water because he is a disciple, truly I say to you, he will by no means lose his reward. Now, I think what Jesus is doing here is he's actually referring to a very specific event, a very specific story from the Old Testament that Matthew's readers would have known about. Uh, It was an incident that concerns a prophet uh, and concerns a cup of water. Uh, Perhaps you can see the connection. You see, around eight or nine hundred years before Jesus walked the earth, well, there was another prophet, and his name was Elijah. And he lived in a time of terrible drought in the kingdom of Israel. People Uh, were dying from malnourishment. Uh, And one day God sent him out and he came across a widow in her house and he asked her for a cup of water. And she kindly provided for Elijah and welcomed him into her house. She received him. Uh, And as a result, she received a miraculous provision of food for her and Elijah. Sometime later, that same widow, well, she faced I guess the worst thing anyone could face, and her one uh, son became very ill. And after a period of illness, he died. 
And yet she had Elijah the prophet staying in her house. And Elijah called out to the Lord, and the Lord heard, and her son was resurrected. And it all started with a cup of water. You see, I think the prophet's rewards, uh, the righteous person's rewards, well, it is the rewards of that story. And it is to say, it is the rewards of life. Let me just be really clear what I mean by that, what I think Jesus means. Uh, Well, the offer is an offer of life after death. It is the offer that even when we die, well, we will carry on living. It's just a small thing, I suppose, to be given a cup of water. Alex offered me a cup of water just uh, 15 minutes ago. It was very kind of him. But look at the rewards. It results in life. You see, there is no small act that the Lord does not see. In all of the troubles of life, there is no ounce of faithfulness that the Lord does not know. In every way we choose to receive Jesus, well, the Lord knows. Maybe that's in the public gaze. Maybe it is hosting a Christian event at your workplace or with your friends. Uh, And it results in persecution. You might not be whipped in the synagogues, but you know people talk about you behind your back. Oh, did you know they were such a weird Christian? Well, the Lord sees. The Lord sees that act. And he will reward. Perhaps it's in the ways no one sees. Uh, the acts of service at church that no one knows you even do, but they really appreciate it. Uh, the hours you've committed to the church finances. Uh, leading the Bible study, doing the Sunday school talk, maybe the youth group weekend away. No one really knows how much effort you put in. But the Lord knows. Maybe it's the inner struggle. A temptation resisted, choosing to accept the apostles' words rather than the world's. Well, Jesus sees it. He sees it all. He knows it all. And it will be rewarded. I get to church uh, pretty early on Sunday mornings, not by choice, but because it's uh, part of my job. Uh, And I'm usually there alone, but very occasionally, actually quite often, there's someone else there. And I won't say his name. Um, I don't think you'd know him, but just in case you do. And he's got no real duty to be there. But he arrives early just to make sure the church is set up. Uh, Just to make sure the chairs are in order, the Bibles are on the chairs, everything is ready. Uh, He even grabs the toilet brush if necessary. Um, No particular duty to be there. But he does it every week, completely unseen, apart from uh, me, of course, just to serve the church family. What an amazing example. And the Lord sees it, and there will be a reward. Just as we start to draw to a close, uh, to receive the Apostles' words is to receive God himself. And for those who do receive, there will be a reward. Is it all worth it? That's the question we started with, isn't it? Well, we've seen in previous verses that the judgment of man will be nothing compared to the judgment of God. But in these verses, the opposite is true. The rewards of man will be nothing compared to the rewards of God. 
Because the rewards of life is on offer. And the rewards will be worth it. Because the gospel is hope of life after death. Yes, there is hardship now. There is hardship in abundance. But if you receive the words, if you receive Jesus, there will be a day when hardships are nothing. 10,000 years into eternity and the peace, of the, uh, peace and glory of the Lord Jesus, well, the hardships will pale in comparison to that. When we go out and we hold the gospel out to people, well, we're not trying to con them into a life of misery. Uh, we're not trying to coax them into a bad deal. We are ultimately offering this reward of life. Well, one very final word from me before we wrap up. Uh, Just notice who this message is for. Uh, Jesus, he's there speaking to the 12 apostles, but just notice who it's for. Notice that word which keeps coming up in these verses. Whoever. Whoever. You see, it doesn't matter who you are. It doesn't matter where you're from, what you've done, what you're doing, or what's being done to you. It is not about you. It is about this one decision. Will you receive? And for those of us who have received, well, we need to know this because Jesus, he doesn't have preferences. Uh, He doesn't have the biases we might have. Uh, We may have a firm idea in our minds who will receive Jesus and who won't. Um, But that is not true with Jesus. Whoever, he says. And let me say, I don't know all of us here don't really know many of us here at all. Uh, And it might be you've never received the Apostle's word before. You've never received Jesus. Uh, Well, let me say, this is a passage for you. Uh, Jesus is speaking to you. There is a reward on offer. And maybe you've been told uh, Jesus offers you nothing. And maybe you've been told there is no hope of life after death. Well, I'm sorry that someone has lied to you in that way. Uh, But here is Jesus, the creator of the world, and he is offering you this hope and this life, available to anyone, whoever. Whoever gives one of these little ones even a cup of cold water, because he is a disciple, truly I say to you, he will by no means lose his rewards. Well, allow me to close in the final prayer, and I'll hand back to someone. We praise you, Lord, that you see everything. You've seen all that we do. For those who trust in Jesus, you've seen our worst times and you have forgiven us for them. And you see the times in which we do serve, Lord, and you will reward us for them. Please keep that in our minds, even today as we go out, Lord. May we want to live for you and serve you as much as we can, Father. Just may we hold on to that hope and that truth that it is worth it. It is worth taking the gospel to the world. And I pray in Jesus' name. Amen.